We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, before we get into this episode, I just wanted to make you guys aware of the first 12 to 14 minutes of the conversation that I had with my guest. The audio was coming in and out on his part. I would say for 90% of the time, it was good quality. Uh, There were times where it felt like you didn't hear him as well. But for the last 30 minutes of the episode, we got it fixed on the fly and the quality is much, much better. So we appreciate it. If you guys stick through it, the conversation is good. We talk about the summer league. We also get to a few listener questions as well. So let's go ahead and get into this conversation following the loss to the Pelicans. What's up, everyone? We are back with another episode of Buzz Beat. We are live on YouTube, Twitter video, and Twitter spaces. The Hornets just finished their Fourth summer league game in Vegas against the Pelicans with a loss. They now have an 0-6 record in all the games across summer league. That includes the 0-2 finish in the California Classic. We will get to that 89-83 loss game and answer a few listener questions as well. This is Richie, and we appreciate everyone for tuning in live, if you guys can. Uh, I am joined today by a guest, Darian, or Trust the Buzz on YouTube. How's it going? It's going good. It's going good. Something I wanted to tell you that before we got in here was that I listened to this podcast. Uh, I, I've been listening to it for a while now, so I thought maybe that would be nice for you to hear without, you know, before we were talking. So I really, this was, this was huge for me. I really appreciate you having me on. Yeah, I appreciate the kind words. Yeah, you came across my Twitter feed the other day, and I saw that you had a YouTube channel and I always appreciate people that put out videos and and put in the hard work on the editing. And I kind of talked about that prior. It's just something that I can't do a lot of just because of the time. Uh, So the podcast has kind of taken up most of my time. Let me ask you a question. How long have you been a Hornets fan? Probably. Probably as long as I can remember. Uh, Ever since I know specifically like when I started taking it seriously was probably around Sean May and Raymond Felton, as you can tell me, I'm a UNC fan. So when Sean May and uh, Raymond Felton got drafted, I think ever since then, it, it was kind of like, okay, this is my team. And then, you know, love, you know, love, I love it. I love with them and love with them throughout the time. Yeah, that's probably where it really started. 
Okay. Yeah, because I, I was born in 88 when the, the team was awarded uh, to Charlotte. Now, I didn't necessarily watch when I was that young, obviously, but my earliest memories were like the Anthony Mason years um, and then more so towards the end of the 90s, like Jamal Mashburn, Baron Davis was probably my favorite player growing up and probably still to this day. If I, if I had to pick a favorite Charlotte Hornet, it would probably be him. And then and I guess last question, what made you want to start the YouTube channel? Uh, because uh, someone who listens to a lot of podcasts, YouTube is something I take a lot, a lot, I love content of, and it would just be people uh, just talking about the Hornets, and they will say, "Oh yeah, the Hornets are going to horn on," and that was it. That was the segment. Like you didn't really hear, any, hear much about it. So I was like, well, you know what? Maybe I should start. You know, do try to do it myself, essentially. So that, that's kind of what made me start. And then I've been just going, rolling with it ever since. Good, good. All right, let's talk about this game that just went final. And we'll talk about other general thoughts, too, with the Summer League. So they, uh, they just finished the game against the Pelicans. We heard the news of Brandon Miller and Kai Jones being ruled out for the rest of Summer League, which was something that I was not necessarily expecting to hear but i'm not surprised uh it definitely made the game recap a little bit less interesting and if you watched the first quarter and you only watched the first quarter i don't blame you because it was 25 5 after the first quarter the hornets did not score until a minute and 46 left i actually thought they were going to score a little bit earlier when they had someone come to the free throw line but they missed both at that point a lot of possessions just early on with not a lot of paint touches, not a lot of touches inside the three-point arc. And if it did, it came with like eight seconds left on the shot clock. Uh, they had a couple of goal tens, five-second violations. It was just a very painful and ugly quarter. I think in the second quarter, they started to pick things up and they cut the lead to five heading into the half. The ball movement improved. The player movement improved. Uh, but in the second half, they were just kind of trading baskets at that point. It felt like Charlotte was trying to gain some steam with Nick Smith Jr. and other players, but Sebron from the Pelicans picked things up offensively, and Pelicans even broke out a zone, which is, which is, I think has happened for the past three games. A team has played zone against the Hornets. But I guess we can start with any player or any noteworthy topic that you want to talk about, but what, what did you first off? What did you think about uh, Brandon Miller and Kai Jones to an extent being ruled out for this game and for the rest of summer league? Brandon Miller made sense to yep. me. In fact, I honestly didn't think he was going to play last game. The game he had like twenty six. I, I I thought you know I was like, uh, what are probably not going to play? But then when he did play, I thought maybe half, especially considering how I came out. Uh, I figured maybe they'll probably just sit him at the at the um, half. They did, and they and they let him play. So I kind of wasn't surprised. Kai Jones, I was actually pretty surprised about uh, with his, you know, them sitting him out for the rest of summer league. I want to say I feel like it's more about they wanted to see James Naji, uh, because I do believe that they have that decision of are we keeping James Naji uh, in the G League or on the actual Hornets roster? I think that's something you just said that he would actually have to be on the Hornets roster, or do we send him back to Barcelona? Uh, so I think that I get that a good game on. Um, I really wouldn't take it as Kai is someone that uh, is just awarded this, I guess, of oh, we've seen enough. I, I think that I don't think it's that. I think it's more so they want to see I could be wrong, but personally with Kai, I, did, I didn't see enough. I mean, we know how good he can be. 
Uh, it's just a matter of putting it all together to be a complete basketball player. So, yeah, that's kind of why I came up with that. I haven't seen it anywhere, but that's just kind of what I'm assuming. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about James Najee. Like, but let's talk about impressions from this game or just impressions in general I think he's a guy, like, when you look at him, he's just so stout. He's so built. He's so powerful. And he also plays very hard. Like, he's going to run really hard out of pick and roll, set good screens. Uh, He's going to rebound the ball really, really well. One of the more surprising things, almost in a bad way, in the first quarter, he actually lost a ball. He got the ball, like, taken from him out of his hands on a rebound, which is just kind of completely unheard of because you you think of this guy that's being built and, and snagging everything in sight. And I think one of the more surprising things that you see with Najee, not just in this game, but in all the games that he's played, he's got really good defensive feet, really good like movement with his feet. And I would not expect that by looking at him. And so when they run pick and rolls or the opposing teams run pick and rolls, he does a good job of containing that. So if there's a ball handler coming off the screen, he's right behind his teammate trying to contain, but he doesn't necessarily leave his man too much. And he's able to recover very, very well. And uh, there was one point in the game, which I thought was pretty funny. I think it was like in the second or third quarter you hear on the sidelines. If you had your volume turned up, one of the coaches yell, you know, grab the ball. Like, I think it, the Hornets had just given up an offensive rebound. And Najee, being the guy that he is, he runs over, jumps over Book Knight, and just grabs the ball. It's like, okay, okay, coach, I, I've got you. I've got you. So, impressions from Najee, whether in this game or just the uh, the six games that he's played here in, in uh, Summer League? Oh, uh, I agree with everything you said. That was, uh, I mean, it was when we drafted him, he was someone that I looked at closely, not necessarily for the Hornets, just in general, a big draft person. You know, being a Hornets fan for so long, you you, you become pretty, you know, tight with the draft. Uh, so he was what I was looking at, and he's he's doing a lot of things as advertised. I think he's much further along than I thought. I do like uh, you were saying that he has good feet uh, because I, I agree with the pick and roll. If anything, because I think the Pelicans specifically, and it could have had in previous games, but in this game, 
uh, we the pick and roll was not our friend, but I think some of it was we saw I think Junior really struggle. But James I think did his part. It made him though because like you said, he's containing the ball handler, but at the same time he's he's hedging just enough to where he both guys um together. That was okay. So yeah, he's got to keep them both guys together, and so then considering that, I think that he's doing a pretty good job of that. But he, like I said, it does make him look bad in the end, just because of the fact that it does look like oh, I'm scoring on him. So I hope that when people see the film, they realize, hey, it's it's guys like Nick Smith Jr., James Booknight, James Ogie can't guard both. So I think that <laughs> kind of that's kind of where he's kind of left in. You know, he's just all. Everybody's just able to run at him, but I, I've been very impressed. I think you know you may want a little more from him from office, but considering who he would have around him on this team. I'm not too concerned about what he needs to do offensively right now. If anything, I've said before on my channel that he's much longer than I thought, and I kind of like him. Um, I think he's a better center than Kai Jones, even though I think Kai Jones is a better player. If that makes any sense. The thing with his offensive game, he's pretty limited in what he can do. He's more of a, you know, screen setter, hard roller. Like he might have a couple of shots around the rim, but he's not a guy that you can really trust to go get you a basket by any means. But that's going to come with time. He's what, 18 years old, which is plenty of time and plenty of room to grow for Najee. I think out of any player, would you say that he's the one guy that probably has exceeded your expectations the most out of anyone on the summer league roster? I would say so. I would say so because, like, similar to what you said earlier about just seeing him, you think you know what kind of player he's going to be watching the highlights. You're like, oh, this is this is what. But he brings a lot more to the table uh, than you're than you're able to see just in highlights. So I think he would surprise me the most. And I will say to me, I think if out of everybody, I think we he's had some of the best, some of the best growth between the the what, technically played five games, I believe, because he didn't play that first one. So, yeah, he, I think he's had some of the best growth between the five games he's played. I've seen him correct things the next game. I've seen him, to what you were saying about the Koji off in the sideline, I've seen him correct things in-game. Like, first quarter, he'll do something. The same thing happened third quarter, and he, he plays it a different way. So, I'm very surprised with just how quickly he's learning and quit, how quickly he's grasping what he needs to do in the NBA compared to probably what he was doing uh EuroLeague. And then, you know, he may even have to go back. And like you mentioned before, it feels like it's either going to be Barcelona or Charlotte. I, I read somewhere in the CBA, I've got it pulled up somewhere, like the, the actual verbiage of it, where they are not allowed to use the buyout to convert that to a two-way contract. So, but yeah, that's that's how it's going to end up with Najee. Now, Nick Smith Jr., he's an interesting player because he comes in spurts. Like he's he's definitely aggressive. He is shifty, plays like a guy that just wants to score, score, score. Uh, he's got a good pull-up game. He's got a good set of handles. He's a guy that doesn't necessarily care about shot selection all that much because he can pull up from three early in the shot clock, and it's just not a good shot by any means. But he started to pick things up in the third quarter in terms of just driving and trying to get to the rim, trying to pull off some multiple dribble moves. The efficiency just isn't there with Nick Smith Jr. And, you know, he's a scorer, but he's not necessarily a shooter right now. And I wonder how his role changes when he actually plays with players that are better than him in terms of being a guy that is a little bit lower usage. Because I don't, 
I would not consider him a point guard. So he's handling the ball a little bit more than he probably should. Is he a guy that could play off ball? That, that's what I wonder uh, moving forward. So thoughts on Nick Smith Jr. so far? Uh, I think he he is a little inconsistent and he's not quite the shooter you would want him to be similar to what you said. Um, I do hope to see him play a little more off ball just because that's what he did at Arkansas. That's not something he came into Arkansas that was like being looked at as what he would do. Uh, our Arkansas team was set. They, they had a lot of good young players on there. Um, but he came in there to be the point guard, but injury kind of uh, derailed him from that. But then Anthony Black ended up being way better than, I guess, what really what anybody expected. I knew everybody thought he was going to be good, but uh, what, I don't think anybody thought he was going to be that good coming into the year. So I think that Nick Smith Jr. had to learn to play off ball, and he did He did a decent job, you know, considering he was adjusting on a fly college. It, it's weird in summer league because it is a little bit of him doing both um, just because of the fact that they do have him running a lot of point guard. And that's just, as you as you mentioned, that's not really just him. You can tell just by how he processes the game. I will say like in the little interviews, we've seen the team post and just things like that. He's, he's talked openly about, hey, I need to find where my guys are going to be, where do we like the ball. So maybe in time, we can see him uh, – you know, develop that skill as being a true uh, ball handler and being a true playmaker and a true point guard overall. But I I, I was like this game, but it is. There's not a whole lot more that I had from this game. And one player, it's, it's funny. We talk about Brandon Miller and Kai Jones being shut down, but James Booknight, this guy being more experienced than these other guys, you would have hoped that he would have been one of the guys too, that would have proven something to the point to where he would have been shut down as well. But the jury is still so much out on this guy. He's someone that, you know, I, I don't know how much stock you have left in him. He doesn't, <laughs> just doesn't provide a lot for me. He's missed a whole lot of easy shots at the rim. He doesn't necessarily provide a lot of effectiveness on the defensive side of the court. He's not a good screen navigator on that end. And his three-point shot comes and goes. And it's, it's one of those things where you don't know how much time you have left with this guy in terms of like if, if he can make it with this team. He might need a change of scenery to me. Like that, that's really what it comes down to. Yeah, I agree. I don't have much James Booknight stock. He's someone I definitely want to see be successful. Um, I, I really like his game. I like what he, in theory, can do. Yeah, I like what he can do in theory. However, I'm just not sold on it yet. Now, tonight, you could look, someone could, if someone was just listening to us and not, they didn't see the game, but they look at uh, the box score, see he had 28. I'm, I'm glad that was a good 28. However, in the fourth quarter, there were some shots he was taking. We're down eight, and it's a pull up three, yeah. or he's not even looking to pass or looking to find an open guy. That's kind of where it gets iffy for me with James Book Night. Um, and then overall, I, I, he can't be a point guard, which that's something they tried a little bit. La- was it last year? Yeah, it was early last year. They tried to have him run a little more point guard. So it's just it's kind of stuck because he's not really being the offensive firepower weapon you were hoping he would be. But then also he's not being really much of a point guard either. So it's 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 really tough. We I know he can score the ball. He does a good job of getting himself open. It's just sometimes hitting it, and then sometimes I think he thinks he he thinks too. I wouldn't say too highly of himself because I I do believe he has good basketball talent. Is 
I, it's just he thinks he can make every shot, and then it's like, dude, like we, we you're good on, but you're good at basketball. But some of those shots he was taking in the fourth quarter were ill-advised, considering we were only down eight at that point. Yeah, what do you think of his demeanor? The way that he kind of just handles himself out there, he just he just seems lackadaisical. Doesn't have uh, or doesn't look like he has a competitive edge. But I could just be reading too much into. No, it. I agree, and and that's something I and I actually would like to hear your thoughts on this. I feel that way about everybody. And I mean that from the team as a whole. Everybody's that way. And I don't can't put my finger on it. It bothers me because I'm a very competitive person. So like some like we'll see games like let's do let's use two years ago because last year was you know different. But <laughs> like there will be games similar to this one tonight where the team will go down like 20 and we're I'm and people like me, I'm like, I'm ready to turn this off. I'd go do something else, do something around the house, and they're they're tied it. It's like, why are we coming out so flat? There's not really that much energy. Uh, believe it or not, I really like what Kelly Oubre was. Kelly Oubre, I think, was really yeah. good at just getting these guys fired up. We saw like last year specifically, I think it was in a Knicks game towards the end of the year where we won. He was hyped the whole time. Everybody on there is everybody on the team to me is that. Mark Williams is that way. And they're in their in their own way. Like Mark Williams is that way. Uh, Lamelo's that way. Uh, Terry's that way. Like nobody seems to be really just—I wouldn't say competitive because that's that's who they are. But I will say with James Booknight, it sticks out a little more because his is more down on himself as opposed to I feel like guys like Mark, like Melo, they're they're more composed. It's it's they're not hyped, but they're composed. Their heads in the game. James Booknight, it just seems like he's out of it. I I feel like that's where the difference is, even though. If you look at their face, it's all the same, if that makes any sense. If you look at their face, it's just a bunch of cool, calm, collected guys. But James Booknight more so hanging his head as opposed to, like I said, Mello, Mark Williams is more just – that's who they are. That's their cool, calm, you know, collective composure. Huh, that's an interesting point, yeah, in terms of just like their overall facial expressions. But, yeah, you're right. In terms of James Booknight, it feels like he doesn't really have any highs. It's more of like the lows. Like you see the lows a little bit more often and just – I don't know. I just think the way that he plays sometimes and when you look at him, it just doesn't seem like he's fully into the game. And I could just be reading too much into it. But you are right about Kelly Oubre. Probably won't be back with the team next year, but he is a guy that you need on a or you need someone like him in terms of just bringing the energy, the the vocal stuff in the locker room on the sidelines. That is something that is missing. And yeah, yeah, when you get down to, you know, by 10 points, and you feel like you don't care. And then, like you said, you, you turn the TV back on and they're back. It's like, wait, where was this energy all along? Like, you got to come out strong from the get-go. The Hornets definitely need a veteran guy. And I'm not sure. I mean, it seems like Mitch Kupchak said that they were going to go after someone like that. But it doesn't feel like it's heading in any kind of direction. Like, I don't, I don't know what they're doing with their free agency at this point. It just seems like, okay, we're going to try to bring back PJ, and that seems like it's going to be it. It, it. I mean, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that in terms of, like, bringing in a veteran? No, I'm very big on that. I've, I've wanted it since. I wanted it even probably before. It, when we first got Kelly Oubre, I was kind of a little down. Not it was because it was Kelly Oubre, because I actually am a fan of Kelly Oubre. It's more so I was like, eh, he's kind of like another one of the guys on the team. Uh yeah. And and that's, that's and I think that's it's good that they were able to identify that and you know possibly not bring in someone that could completely you know uh, disrupt our locker room or anything like that. But at the same time, I felt like we needed a veteran then, and they gave us Kelly Oubre, who I guess in a way is a veteran, 
But it's yeah. he's he's a veteran the same way uh Terry Rozier is a veteran, where he's technically older than the guys, but is he really that veteran? And it it, it no. So yeah, I, I really think they need one. I, I personally I've seen people say that it doesn't even matter if the veteran plays. I'm more of the camp that if we do bring a veteran, he needs to play. That's something I've said about like Gordon Hayward specifically. Gordon Hayward, to me, I think can be a good veteran, even though this is the last year of his deal. It was more so he's a vet. I think he's more of that vet of on the court uh, veteran leadership. It's just we know with Gordon Hayward, how often is he on the court? Uh, so I felt like that's that's something where it's just it's almost been there. We kind of had that veteran. He's just not quite healthy enough to really be that true veteran. Because when he's injured and sitting on the sideline, he might be talking to the guy next to him, but he's right. not. Uh, okay, coach, don't worry. I'll, you know, it's he's not, and that's nothing wrong with it. Everybody is their own player. Gordon Hayward's been in the league for a long amount of time. What he's doing is is gotten him where he is. However, it's just not right for this team. And so I think they do need to find someone who maybe is a little more vocal. I think Isaiah Thomas did a pretty good job. It's just you can't rely on him to be that guy to be, you know, because like I said, the veteran needs to play. And I don't know how many yeah. how many minutes Isaiah Thomas is getting. But we see that those guys, they, they still have respect for him. They, they still yeah. talk highly of Isaiah Thomas in a short period of time. Yep, exactly. I mentioned him on a, a recent podcast. And I think he had a private workout recently which is uh, interesting. I don't know, is he 32, 33 years old at this point? But you're right. I'm not even sure there's a veteran out there that would get a lot of playing time. So even if it was Isaiah Thomas, let's just say, for example, he may be able to lead by example in practice. He may be be able to kind of talk to guys on the sideline and get them amped up. I I think that is necessary. And and to your point about Gordon Hayward, he's not a vocal guy. So he's going to be a guy that's that's got to be on the court lead by example, settle the team down when he's out there. But when he is injured so frequently, you're really not getting that on-the-court production from a veteran. But that may be a hole that's probably not going to be filled this offseason. Do you have any other thoughts about the Summer League, whether it was this game or just in general, before we move on to the listener questions? Overall, if I could just wrap up Summer League, I think – if anything, I feel like we just we were just not prepared. I don't feel like the team was just prepared. I don't know what it is. I really wish I could be more exact with that. It yeah. just seemed like every game, and I don't know. It's summer league, so it's not it, the turnaround time is quick. I don't know how much they go into scouting, but it just seems like teams have us figured out. Like like you said, the zone. The first team did it. Every team since then has done it. <laughs> <laughs> so they're like, all right, Hornets zone. We don't. It doesn't seem as though we don't take that. We don't have that type of preparation. I really would like to see what a full practice is like, uh, because it just does not. In every game, it just did not seem like we were ready, and I don't know why. I, I have. I really wish I could put my finger on it. So if I, it, it's really hard. This summer league has been really hard to evaluate some players because of the fact that it just seemed like we were so underprepared. Like tonight, Kobe Simmons, I think, did a pretty good job of playing point guard. Why wasn't he the point guard the entire time instead of trying to force that upon, you know, Nick Smith Jr., Mari Bailey, guys who normally are shooting guards? And I yeah. get at some point for both of them, being a point guard will help you stay in the league longer. But it's summer league. Let's 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 let these guys have their role that they had in college. You know, it's a short turnaround time between the day you're drafted to summer league. So let's bring these guys in and put them in roles that they experienced in college or wherever they came from. 
But instead, they're like, all right, we're going to make both of you point guards and not use the real point guard we had, who was actually pretty good last year in the G League. So it, it, it's really I, – I don't get it. I, I don't get it. But, yeah, I just feel like we need to be – the team overall and just needs to be do a better job of being prepared. And I think it hurt a lot of the guys as far as kind of getting their confidence up. We saw Bryce McGowan struggle very early. Um, I think he kind of made up for it this game. But he, he struggled. So, yeah, I, I just wish that as an overall team we would just be more prepared game to game. Yeah, the, the offense left a lot to be desired, and the movement, off-ball movement, ball movement just was not clicking at all in summer league. And I don't, you don't know how much of it is coaching. You don't know how much of it is – like, you got to give credit to New Orleans' defense tonight. Like, they, they were good, but they weren't the only reason why Charlotte wasn't able to get inside the paint. Like, that's not the only reason. So, yeah, you do have to kind of look at the coaching. But, again, these are not – this is not Steve Clifford. This is not a regular head coach. So you kind of have to temper your expectations a little bit. But obviously, these other summer league teams are, are doing the same thing with their assistant coaches. They, they look a little bit or a lot of bit <laughs> better <laughs> For uh, sure. in terms of just like the cohesion and just the way that they look and they play. I, I, last thing I want to mention, I, I really enjoyed Jamal Crawford tonight. I know that's kind of a weird like I thought no, he was. A- I, I agree. I, he was exceptional. Yeah, and there's a comment here on YouTube. Jamal Crawford just compared Nick Smith Jr. to C.J. McCollum. He also compared him to Bones Highland, which I actually like that play style. Okay, like, you know, Shifty likes the ball in his hands, can shoot the three, but can also play off the dribble a little bit. All right, let's get into our listener questions here, and they're on our screen as well for those of you guys watching. Hornets Trucker on Twitter asks, what are your thoughts on the new flopping rule? Do you, do you know the new flopping rule? I don't know like everything about it. I just know that it's like what two shots and then ball or something like that. Or it, uh, it may just be one free throw. One, one uh, free throw. Ball. Okay. But yeah. Obviously, it, it's it's a way that the NBA is trying to curb flopping. I know that last season they added fines after the fact, mm-hmm. and then like this year they're trying to do it in game a little bit more. What's interesting, what I what I gathered, I, I believe I'm correct. If there is a flop like mid game and the ref sees the flop, but the team maybe goes on to score the possession. The ref can come back to that and award the team a free throw. So he doesn't have to necessarily call it right then in the moment. It's almost like soccer. Like there's an advantage played and you just Um, mm -hmm. let, let them play because you don't want to take away an easy basket or I guess flops can come on the, the offensive side too, where a shooter may like pretend he got fouled. Right. Like a you know breakaway the other way, so I, I thought that was an interesting note about this. But I think, yeah, I'm not entirely sure if the refs are going to be consistent with this. It's going to be tough to officiate. But if you're trying to curb flopping, which I think is going to be better for the game, you do have to try everything like fines and now these free throw shots for the other team. So I, I do I do like the new rule here. I, I think it's a good idea. I like what you mentioned about the uh, soccer advantage. I think that's – I like I've always liked that about soccer, that they give the advantage, let it play out, doesn't take away the momentum of the, whatever's yeah. going on. Uh, hopefully it does get rid of it because sometimes it's, it's a little egregious. The only thing is – and similar to what you said is the officiating and getting it right – the more that's kind of the only thing I don't like about these new rules is that you're adding more things for the refs to catch, and it's just getting it's. I feel like it's making their job a little tougher because you're calling stuff in game. Now there is leeway to what we mentioned about the advantage, so maybe a ref has time to think about it. But <laughs> I, we just I can already see where this happens in like a game seven of the of conference finals, and then it's the talk of the summer. So. That's the only thing about it. 
Um, but I mean, I, I, I rather deal with that than deal with this constantly happening and kind of slowing up the game. Yeah, I want to say it's a one-year trial too, in the sense that like it's not going to be sticking around forever, unless mm -hmm. unless it turns out to be a good rule and right. it is consistently officiated. All right, I'll let you start off on this next question. It's from James Laird. I propose the unsexy, uh, uh, bordering, tedious, but under the radar important question: How important is Cody Martin's fitness for the roster? Lack of backup guards is an issue. And there's a load of young twos, threes, which could be a part of a solution, but also probably out of the picture if Cody is fit. So, yeah, I like this question a lot. I'll let you lead off on your thoughts on Cody Martin, how important he is this year. I was really excited when they re-signed re Cody Martin last year because I do like what he, he brought defensively. And obviously, that was before they brought in Dennis Smith Jr. as well. Uh, so I was like, oh, finally, like, we well, we've locked up our probably our best perimeter defender i am very interested to see what happens with this year i mean he's back to being our best perimeter defender uh well in a in a vacuum at least which if you're basing off last time you saw him healthy on the court however that is a problem it's not cody martin's fault but that is a problem when cody martin is probably your best perimeter defender um so we'll see it, it's hard to gauge what to expect of him and how much he can really impact his team with all things considered. We haven't seen him in a year. Um, and we do have to this person's point, we do have a lot of young twos and threes. Um, but overall I like it. I like what Cody Martin can do for the team. He, um, if he can help his shooting, I think that will help a lot. I feel like if he can just be a little bit more consistent of a shooter. Um, and he's not that bad of a, I wouldn't say playmaker, but he, he can, he can dribble the ball up the court and kind of make the right read. So the more players we have doing that, the better I feel about our team as a whole. So I like the Cody Martin fit. I'm just very interested to see what it looks like, considering it, every time he stepped on the court last year, he just was not healthy. And so I don't I don't really know. And we haven't heard much about it since. Yeah. So, so that's kind of what worries me. But overall, I, I like it. Yeah, I think he was probably like his storyline. One, it was forgotten. I feel like a lot of people forgot about his whole storyline of Bish being like, what was it, six, seven games last year? Mm -hmm. And it was probably one of the more disappointing storylines, just how long, obviously, he was out. And I think he's a very polarizing player among the Hornets community. I think people either just hate him, don't think he adds any value to this team, just think he's this, like, he's a bench player. Like, that's what he is. Yeah, but sure. he does provide some things on the court, even though he's not a starter or starter material, he's not expendable by any means. Like he's not a guy that you just wish would go away. I think to your point, he does bring a lot on the defensive end and yes, he is our best on ball perimeter defender. He also provides a lot with his deflections, his steals, like just his overall demeanor on that end. We talked earlier about, you know, bringing some energy with like Kelly Oubre. I think Cody Martin does that with his hustle, getting to 50-50 balls. And offensively, uh, he's limited, but he's a good cutter. He can get to the rim. And I think one thing that gets overlooked with Cody Martin, and especially if the Hornets aren't going to acquire a backup point guard, you mentioned it. I think he does have a little bit of playmaking to him. He's not a guy that you necessarily want him bringing the ball up the court a ton. Like he's not that type of point guard, but he's a well-rounded passer. He can make kickouts. He can make little dump offs to the big as he's getting downhill. And it just seems like he makes the right play nine times out of 10. So 
I do value his importance to this team. I do think that his fitness is important to this team, as James is asking. You know, he's a typical seventh, eighth man. Like, he's not going to do anything awesome, maybe outside of that perimeter defense, but he does a lot of little things well that makes it easier for his teammates on on both ends of the court. So I, I fall under the camp that he is important to this team, even though he's not necessarily starter material. And I also would like to really quick interject and just mention that, like you said, to being that hustle guy, being an energy guy, we don't, there's no one else that does that on it. So on a team where that's scarce, it, it's, it, it means a lot more to a team like us than it would to like, hit the heat if well i know his brother's on there but yeah to a team like the heat it means a lot more to us because we don't have that at all we we don't have anyone that does what he does all right last question of the episode from brian underscore beck on twitter other than hayward who is expiring anyway the one person on this roster who doesn't make a ton of sense is rosier with three years left do you think the hornets will be aggressive in trying to get off his contract what do you say to that Oof. Man, uh, I've I, I don't think they will, and that is just based on how they've acted in the past, how they've maneuvered in the past. It's not based on if I think that's the right decision. Personally, I think they should have tried a little bit last year. I'm I've kind of been floating around the idea of I've been an advocate for maybe they should have tried to retool earlier than than then I guess is what it's looking like. I think they've waited a little too late. Uh, I know Gordon Hayward was a big, you know, wrench in that, him not being healthy, him making the money he's making. I get that part, but they they did extend Terry. I got why they extended Terry because it wasn't like he was playing poorly. However, I don't know where they saw a world where a LaMelo Terry Rozier backcourt worked. So that's kind of where we could really go that far as far as just what I think about the fit. But I don't think they will. That's just because based on how they've maneuvered and how they've done the, the team building in the past. But if do I think they should? Yes. I don't think Terry's a bad player. I think it's just currently the way we have to use him. He's our starting shooting guard next to a guy who really isn't healthy that often. And then LaMelo, who, who also I think plays the – Passing lanes very well, but it's not the best defender himself. It is just a weird fit. I think he can go to a, a team that you know kind of needs him. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't know where that comes from because there is still three years to his deal. I think the last last year is not fully guaranteed, if I'm not mistaken. So that could help. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that they should. It, it's only it's it's not really much of a difference. It, it's like 24 million in his last year is is guaranteed if he mm-hmm. or sorry partially guaranteed so it's it's only a difference of two million it's not it's not oh, like it's, oh okay i thought it was yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but to your point i don't think they will be aggressive i also don't know how easy it's going to be to trade him like to the question's point he has three more seasons left at about 24 million a year so they can try to be aggressive but they're also at the mercy of other teams that are willing to offer and take him on I think he's a guy that would be much better suited playing on a contender, maybe even for a fringe playoff team, like a seventh or eighth seed. If you're in the Hornets position right now, where, where technically, you know, you're in the bottom 10 of the league, bottom five of the league, or you're a team like us, you're not looking to acquire Terry Rozier. I, I could be wrong, but that just doesn't seem like a team that would want to acquire him. And I think by drafting Brandon Miller, you have a guy that, 
could potentially fill Rozier's role as that off-ball mover early on, that spacer. And maybe down the road, hopefully down the road, because he's the number two overall pick, he can provide more than Rozier because you expect a little bit more out of a 6'9 wing that can score the ball. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's a part of me that doesn't think that the contract is as bad as many may think, but by the same token, we've got LaMelo's extension kicking in next year at $35 million. You got to worry about Miles Bridges. You got to worry about P.J. Washington because those two are kind of up in the air in terms of how long uh, their their future is with Charlotte. And to me, like outside of the money, I, I feel like I feel like Rozier has kind of run his course here in Charlotte. For him to be fully effective, I'm, I'm talking about you know being on these contenders. He was at his best when this team was surrounded by consistent players that weren't getting injured. Uh, the Hornets don't have have a lot of depth. They've had their fair share of injuries. Last year, when the injuries started to pile up, it feels like when he was the man, quote unquote, he just didn't perform as well. Like when he had to play the point guard, like that's just not his role. So, you know, maybe this year when everyone's if everyone stays healthy, he might get back to that catch and shoot three point shot maker. But I'm like you. I, I think I would try to trade him. I just don't know how aggressive they can be considering uh, the other teams have to, you know, take on that salary. Right. It, it it is interesting uh, to with the Terry Rozier because he's not bad, and I, I like that you did mention that, and I feel like that's something I should have said. Uh, yeah, he did. He's not bad. Yeah, I mean, in Boston, he couldn't shoot efficiently at all. We were Charlotte looked like fools, quote unquote, for you know giving away Kemba for Terry. Terry comes here is more efficient than he's ever been. Uh, I think if anything, he was also when our team when our team was fully healthy two years ago, he was also being asked to guard like the best player on the other team, which at six two maybe we that's being nice. It's not fair to him. So I think that the situation he's in made him look a lot worse than what he is. So like you said, with the contract, with how good he is, it it really very well could be movable. I just don't I just don't see it happening. All right, guys, thanks. To everyone who joined us live following the summer league game that went final in Vegas against the Pelicans, uh, I'm glad we had a chance to bring on a guest, Darian, uh, to join and, and share your thoughts about the Hornets. Let our listeners know, and maybe they already know, about your YouTube channel and what you try to do over there. Like, what is your goal over there? Uh, yeah. So you can find me on YouTube at Trust the Buzz. Uh, Trust the Buzz. Um, and basically, my goal at on that YouTube channel is just kind to give the Hornets a platform on YouTube. I think that YouTube is a place where people go look up highlights. Um, you got a lot of people who are like LaMelo fans and not really, not really Hornets fans. So my job there, I feel like is just to show that there are real Hornets fans. There's people who actually care about the team. There's actually, there's people who actually want this team to be successful and then just kind of do it in a creative way. I try to, I try to, you know, put some visuals up, and things like that. So if you if you're interested in that, go ahead and check it out. I try to upload daily, uh, but as been mentioned, it's hard sometimes. Life gets in the way, it's <laughs> for sure. But yeah, if you if you like uh, just new, try to bring in new ways of just uh, ingesting uh, Charlotte Hornets content, then go ahead and check me out. And trust trust the buzz at, on wow. YouTube. Wow, didn't know you did it daily. That's that's uh, a I try, I try, but I I miss when I first started. I think. Two months in a row, I didn't miss a day. And I and there was times I uploaded multiple times a day. But that was back when I would just turn on the camera, talk, and then just upload it. I wouldn't edit if I messed up, you know. But then I was like, all right, let me clean it up as more and more people started to tune in. 
And and now your sleep schedule is a little bit better now, right? Yeah, for sure. For <laughs> sure. Oh, man, so much better. So much better. All right, guys, be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel, but it's not as great as his. But uh, share this pod with the Hornets fan. We will talk to you guys later. Take care. <laughs>